Why, hello. I didn't see you there. Welcome to the OK Beast podcast for episode 11. I am your host today, Ian Preschel, and joining me is the man with unlimited talents, Blessing Adioye Jr. Did I say that right? Yeah, I mean, there's no way to say it right, so yeah. Is it like by this default, since I'm white, I'm going to say it wrong either way? Yeah, I mean, since you're American. Since you're not Nigerian, I'm going to say it wrong. Can, okay, for, for the record, just say it the right way for everyone right now. Adioye. Adioye. I thought I said it like that, didn't I? I mean, kind of. You're, you're, cl- huh. you're close. You're close enough. Do I get like a silver medal for that? Uh, you get five white people points. Woo! By Wait, the way, isn't, we sh- isn't white people points the stuff that you don't want? Wouldn't you I want mean, like multiracial points as a white person? It depends on how you look at it. Like the way I look at it, like you, when you get white people points, it's like points for being a good white person. That sounds really racist oh, when I say it like that. That sounds okay. so racist when I say it like that. Maybe I shouldn't say it like that. I'm gonna say it a different way. You get points. Maybe that's for, why. Maybe that's why you're getting blocked everywhere, dude. Dude, the reason why I'm getting blocked everywhere is because I have no filter when it comes to saying the truth. The truth just spouts out my mouth, and there's there's nothing to like sugarcoat it. Just people see it, and you know what? Did you see? Did you see the screenshot I sent you of the second person who blocked me today? No. So I, so basically, and I'm gonna go into like some whole irrelevant thing, but basically, I made a post in a group about uh, diversity in games and how like w- or why specifically people talk talk about wanting to relate to a character of their own race and stuff. And you 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 saw the post. You know what I'm getting at. Um, somebody commented on that post, um, a white dude, he was like, uh, basically saying like, oh, I don't, I don't understand the idea of having to be, having somebody, or I don't understand the idea of, of having to relate to a character or I play games to play people, play as characters that are different from me, you know, which is valid, but not for the point I was making in the original post. The original post was kind of a whole different thing than what he was saying. So I, mm-hmm. I replied to him saying, Hey, you should read the post before you reply to it. Um, and basically he was like, he was like, oh yeah, I did read it. I'm just saying, I don't understand. I, I, I don't look, I don't look like, um, all, all the white characters. I look different. I'm my own person. Then I looked at his profile picture and I was like, this guy looks like Mario. And so I commented, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I, I basically com- com- replied to his comment and kind of explained more of my posts. And in my, in my comment, I was like, oh yeah. And you look exactly, you look exactly like Mario. And he was like, he was like, "Oh, what are you saying? I look like Mario. You don't don't assume my my um identity or, or and how I I'm I don't look like an Italian. I'm Irish or some or some crap like that." And so I'm like, "Nah, bro, you look like Mario." And he he responded like he did like a whole another like whole response. I was like, "Bro, you look like Mario." And then he blocked me. And so there we, here we are. By the way, we should point out that uh, you're hosting this episode. Oh, yeah, I am. So usually yeah. I try and create as many garbage fires on this show as I can. But I've realized that when you ask me to host, I am much less I'm less likely to create problems because then that becomes my problem. Yeah. Here's the thing. I like when you make problems, though. Well, yeah, I feel like you're like a sadomasochist. Like you I ask am. me to be your partner in this whole thing. And then I'm like, hey, I'm just going to cause you a bunch of issues. And you're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm cool with it. Pretty much. Mm. Like, I hate it, but I love it at the same time. It, I hate it, but it does help. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so, like, well, last we, week... Well, when we first met, you were like, yeah, like, I want to get better on camera, and then, like, and I, I want to get better at hosting things. So I said to myself, okay, if he wants to get better, I need to create as many problems as I can. So 
I started to troll you in almost every single way whenever we started the show. And every time you send me any piece of content that you're working on, I'm always like, oh, this can be way better. You need to change this and this and this, this and this. And then even if you disagree with me, you still get like the wheels turning in your head and you start to think more. And that's like kind of what my job is. But now that I'm hosting, now it's like a whole different ballgame for me. Oh, yeah. I understand that. Like even uh, last week or a couple weeks ago as of the posting of this, I want to say I posted the first Wired video and you give me a bunch of feedback on it. And I'm basically taking all that feedback. Like, I don't know if I left out any feedback. If I did, it was probably like a very small part of it and taking all of it and putting it into the next video. Um, And also, like even last week during the podcast with Allie, like I felt like most of that thing was a garbage truck. And I was like, man, Mm. man, I was like, I was like, man, Ian's being all random and I, I can't really talk straight right now today at this moment. <laughs> and I listened back to it and I was like, oh, you know what? This dynamic works pretty well. Like you like you were trying to steer the ship off the track or whatever. And I kept trying to steer it on. And I was like, oh, yeah, this works. But now the tables have turned and you're sort of hosting this whole situation. And I get to be the one who gets to sit back and just like talk about being blocked on Facebook for calling dudes Mario. And so this is awesome. Yeah. And the thing is also, this is like a little behind the scenes production thing. Like you do all the editing and you do everything else and you do all this stuff. And like, I do a bunch of drawing stuff and I do all this other things that I'm working on, but I felt guilty that you were always the one left to record and edit and do like audio mixing and all this stuff. So I thought to myself, you know, how can I contribute? And my way of contributing was, you know, if, if you enjoy me as a host, maybe I can take some of that responsibility away and then you can focus more on just saying whatever you want to say during the podcast and then just editing it. Dude, the funny thing is, hosting is, like, the only thing I like doing. Like, Really? I, yeah. And so, like, I'm, I'm like, I, I edit and I do all the administrative stuff when I get the podcast up. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, well, at least I get to host this podcast. And so now you're going to take this away from me, too. Which wow. Is, which, is, which, is, which is fine. It's I thought the no, exact I'm, opposite. I thought the exact opposite. I thought that the hosting stressed you out. But the administrative it, and, like, the audio mixing stuff, like, was where you, like, that was, like, your niche because you do music stuff and music stuff is all about sampling and audio mixing. And I thought that that was something that you were, like, oh, I can do this shit, no problem. It's it's both. And so, like, hosting does stress me out, but that's because I feel like I'm a bad host. And so I go back um, and I listen to myself. And I'm, like, okay, I can do this. I can do this better and I can do this better. And my whole thing is I'm trying to get better at it, which is why I keep doing it. Um, and the more I do it, the more I, I like it. I think at first I didn't enjoy it because I was like, man, I, this is not for me, but the more I do it, the more I'm like, okay, I think I understand what I'm getting wrong with this, where, where I'm, where I'm being wrong with this or what I'm getting wrong with this. I don't know how, how to word it, but, uh, as I go on, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, it's whatever. But also, I also do like being like the non-host, if hmm. that makes sense, because it is very much like. I get to chime in when I feel like chiming in and I get to interrupt people and I don't have to guide the conversation and I don't have to make sure like the ship stays on course, which is, that's the, that's the reason why I love guesting on other other people's podcasts. Like if you listen to my podcast with Alex Van Aken, I feel like it's one of the best podcasts I've done just because I get to steer off and I get to just talk about whatever I want to talk about. And the same hmm. with like any other podcast I guest on. Hmm. So I well, feel like I do yeah, better when I guess, but yeah. when I host, I I also enjoy it somewhat. I guess it's kind of like driving a car. Like some days you're like, man, I want to go for a long drive. And then other days you're like, man, I just want to like pull out my phone and text or whatever. I I don't care about where we go. Just have my friend drive. Oh, yeah. I guess that's I do the appre- only like way we can compare it. I do appreciate you hosting, though, because now I, I, I've had like 
the last couple two days be kind of like stressful a little bit nothing like serious but i'm kind of tired and this is kind of nice okay well we'll see so, how nice it is towards the end for sure it'll be you, you might be stressing the hell out probably so speaking of stressing the hell out where can people find you on the internet and find your stressed out rambles on twitter and facebook and all that where can they find you you can find my stressed out self on on the Twitter sphere at Blessing Junior. That's Blessing Jr. Where I often talk about Kanye West. Um, you can find me on any other social media, um, Blessing Jr. And so that's where you can find me, and on OKBeast.com, of course. Okay. Well, speaking of OKBeast.com, where do you post? Do you po- like what do you post on OKBeast.com? Like, are there any things you're working on, like podcast or series or whatever you're working on right now that you're excited to talk about, or or what? So. Um, right now I'm working on Wired, which is the main thing I'm pretty much working on. Episode uh, two, or, yeah, yeah, episode two, which is coming out as of the posting of this podcast. It should already be out on YouTube, uh, and so check it out on YouTube. Wired episode two is all about Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Um, it posts on OKBeast.com on Tuesday, which is tomorrow. Um, and yeah, check that out there. I also do. I've also been doing two other podcasts, The People, which is my interview show where I just bring on random people and interview them. Which Ian, I should probably get you on. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I want to get on this, actually, because you and I, it's funny because we work together so much, but we haven't really sat down in a long time and just talked about like life or, you know, how I got here or where, how you got to where you yeah. are. I think that would like, be a good episode. Yeah. Dude, I listen, this is off topic, but I listen to uh, Pockets Full of Soup, Jerry mm-hmm. Petty's podcast, and okay. episode, I want to say five, he did an episode with Jonathan Dornbush, I hope that's the right name, um, mm-hmm. of IGN saddest podcast episode i list i've ever listened to like i was almost in tears at my job um, Jeez, that's bad you shouldn't be crying during a podcast should you i shouldn't i mean it was it was a really sad podcast and pockets full of soup i mentioned pockets full of soup because it's similar to uh the people like i didn't really get the idea from jerry petty but um after listening to pockets full of soup by jerry petty i was like man this is what i want the people to be and so if you if you're interested in what the people is it's kind of like that except i'm not as as passionate or like as gentle or as good of a person as jared petty um but yeah i try my best to do my best jared petty impression in fact uh next week as of the posting of this podcast the guest is uh eric thompson who is a guy that reminds me a lot of jared petty and so make sure to check that out i also do another podcast about music called uh what's it called throne watch watch? uh yeah throne watch (laughs) Uh, and the next episode is out on Wednesday, and it's about Most Def, the rapper. And so uh, check that one out. Black also. Star, dude. Oh, dude, Black Star is my jam. Except... Did you think I didn't know about it because I was white? No, you you were actually more knowledgeable about hip hop and stuff than I originally thought you would be. And that's not because you're white; it's more because of like what when I because I, I say dude a lot and because I'm into anime and all yeah, all stuff. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Usually, anime and hip hop doesn't really commingle that much. Yeah, unless except you're, like, for the famous show Boondocks. Samurai Champloo, oh, or Boondocks, Boondocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boondocks is another one as well. But Champloo is made by Japanese developers or Japanese like artists and and stuff like that. Mm. It's very interesting. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Samurai Champloo. I think you can watch it on Funimation, or you can I maybe watch it on Crunchyroll. I'm not sure. But anyway, since you did your plugs, I guess it's my turn. You can follow me at Twitter at at Ian Why Not. That's at I A N W H Y N O T. And if you're into Persona or if you're into any form of cartoons or art, follow me there because I might be working on something in the future that 
Persona fans might really enjoy. Interesting. Like you, Blessing. Yeah. And well, I guess I'll give like a little bit of backstory for this. Um, so I went to TGS a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and mm. I went to this Persona booth and all of the stuff was sold out and they weren't selling anything online. And I was getting so mad and there's so much like limited merchandise for Persona and I love it and I can't get my hands on it. So I thought to myself, hey, I'm an artist. I'm resourceful. I'm good at these programs. Why don't I just make something? So I'm in the process right now of possibly making some Persona merch that I might sell. Oh, cool. If, yeah, if people are into that sort of thing, I'm going to post it online and see what the people think. But yeah, like there's not enough to buy, you know? Nice. And, and that's coming uh, from the guy who has a poster in his room for Persona 3. So like, for the record, you know. people did not hear this. Hear that on this podcast. Just keep keep going. But this is not an official OK Beast persona. No, 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 no. It's through me. It's through me. It's just through me. It's yeah. not an OK so, Beast sort of thing. It's just something Atlas, I a project that I might be arrest him. On. Arrest him, Atlas. Yes, please, please come and find me. With the way the Japanese government works, it'll take four years. So, Sweet. anywho, so here at OK Beast, we are dedicated to games, culture, and you, the people. The OK Beast podcast is a gaming-centric show where a couple of friends or enemies come together and talk about what's going on in our world. If you like that, subscribe to us on your podcast service of choice. Visit OKBeast.com and follow at OKBeastNow on Twitter. Also, you can check us out on YouTube for our new video editorial series, Wired, a look behind the games featuring my good friend and colleague, Blessing. So Love now it. that Except we... Except for the part oh, where you changed the description. What? Games, culture, and you, the people. Who who approved this? You have a show called The People. That's a good point. That's a good. That, that's that's a very good point. Except and the official description, which is on the site, uh, doesn't have that part. But I mean, I'm just gonna throw, throw that out. Throw, throw that out there. I love how Bless's version of messing with the format is taking his format and then insulting my my spin on it. <laughs> it's it's branded. It's official. There's copyrights. There is money involved. Oh, my God. Anyway. We can act like there is, though, to sound official and whatnot. On that note, Bless, what have you been up to this week? Have you seen any new movies, new shows? You've played any new games? I have been playing zero new games. I've I've been playing Overwatch a lot, uh, and I've been trying to hit that platinum in ranked. And so far, it's it's a struggle because I always end up losing just as many matches as I win. And so I always end up in the same place after every session. Um, and so, yeah, if you're really good at Overwatch and want to help me out, I mean, hit me up on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, that's that. Nothing, nothing's really changed in Overwatch. I've also fi- finished the fourth season of Luther. I think it's season four that I finished, or season three. I can't remember. The latest season of Luther that was on Netflix. Uh, finished that. And, man. That's with, wait, who's the main character in Luther? What's the actor's name? Idris Elba, Idr- right? Yeah, Idris Elba. Really good sh- Luther is a really good show, um, yeah. and I think from, everybody wait, should check it out. It's one of my favorite shows. Wait, he's from England, right? Yeah, he's British. Yeah. Oh, okay. What is? Where is he originally? Is he originally from England, or is he from somewhere else and is like is migrated there? I his name is so unique. Yeah, I think he's English, but may have like maybe African parents or something like that. I don't know. I was gonna uh, say, do you know the name? Like, do you recognize the name Elba, or is that like all. a whole no? I wouldn't know where it's where it's from. Because mm. um, yeah, I recognize I be some European names that I can tell, like oh, like that's definitely from like Austria or Germany or Russia or whatever. Yeah, he strikes me as somebody who may be like, like his parents may be from somewhere in Africa, or he may have like 
moved to England as a kid, but he has like such a thick English accent that Dude. like he he he's so he's thick. he's been in England for a while. But yeah, he sounds like man. Like if I was a woman, um. Idris Elba. Yeah, That's try, and finish, try and finish that sentence right there with that sound. <laughs> I don't know here. how I finished that sentence, but yeah, Idris Elba is right there. Um, I okay. look at him, I'm like, man, if only. But no, I finished Luther, and the latest season of Luther started off really good. The first episode was really good. It's a two long, it's a two episode long season, by the way, and we talked about that a little bit last week. And so I finally finished it, um, finally, quote unquote. And hmm. I finished the first episode, and I was like, oh yeah, this is great. Finished the second episode, and I was like, man, why was this? Why did they make this season? It didn't make any sense. It made sense, but they it was very unnecessary. Like it was it was very rushed and I mean I don't I don't understand why you'd make a two episode long season of a show. It just doesn't work like that. Um the it felt kinda of flat and like a lot of things didn't happen. Um that were kinda of like teased a little bit. The, the it was it was pretty empty. But um it was decent. It was a decent watch for somebody who likes Luther and so that was that. Uh, now, isn't, Luth- bought- isn't Luther oh, supposed ahead. to be like him as like a detective? Like, isn't that the yeah. premise of the show? Isn't he supposed to be like what's his name, Sherlock Holmes, right? Yeah, I mean he's not Sherlock Holmes. Uh, he's not. I mean he's very smart though. Like in the first episode, and I mean spoilers for the first episode, like the first ten minutes of the first episode. Uh, there's this girl who who uh, comes to the police station and they sit her down in the interrogation room, and her parents were just murdered. And they're talking to her, and they're like, they're tr- they're tr- they're trying to figure out like what happened, what happened to your what happened to your parents. Uh, and I can't remember if it was just her parents or her whole family, but I, I'm pretty sure her parents were part of it. And they're like, their her parents were like tor- were like torn apart, cut up, and whatnot. And they're like interrogating her, and they're asking her about these different questions. And Luther comes in, and he he asks her some questions, uh, and then like he pauses, and like he yawns. Uh, and then, like, he looks her in the eye and just walks out. And then he tells everybody, like, she did it. And everybody's like, why would you think that? Like, she, she, it's her parents. Uh, we're, we're bringing her, hint, her hair in because she's, like, covered in blood and whatnot. Uh, and then he's like, no, she did it. She did it. She didn't yawn. And they're like, she didn't yawn. And he's like, when you see somebody yawn, the natural sort of reaction to that is for you to yawn. It's it's biological. That's how, that's how you that, – that's – what happens yeah it's and like, a pack like you're anim- crazy it's a pack animal thing yeah exactly and he's like he's like so adamant about it like she didn't yawn and emmy ends up like she's she ends up being like kind of the one that did it and so like uh spoilers i guess it's not really that big of a spoiler wow it's first, first episode for season but yeah like he's that kind he's that kind of dude who's very sharp um but also it's not like sherlock holmes where he's like supernaturally sharp even though super- sherlock holmes is a supernatural but He's like way sharper than any human being could possibly be, uh. But no, he's a good. He's just a really good detective, and also he's very dark. And that's like kind of the pull of the show is how dark it is, and Luther has issues, and sort of everybody in the show has issues, and things happen that are very like dark. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it without just saying like it's 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 a dark British crime drama, and it's really good. Um, it's very straightforward also, which I like. And so I definitely, I'd say anybody go check it out. It's one of my favorite shows. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, also bought an Xbox One, uh, which is crazy because I'd never thought in my whole entire life that I'd buy an Xbox. Um, but I, I saw it on sale on Sunday, ordered online, uh, came in 
and it was at my house today and i didn't think it was gonna be here till monday but i'm looking at it it's hooked up uh fun story so i go to pick up my xbox one and i'm like oh man i got a package man this package is huge man this package is heavy the xbox one is the is the largest and heaviest device that i've ever seen and, and yeah, that's hyperbolic definitely not yes. portable it's definitely not portable not at all. I wanted to get the Xbox One S, but I accidentally ordered the original Xbox, and I didn't want to switch it because the games packed in with it are games that I really wanted. But I got it, and I was like, man, yeah, this thing is huge. Uh, but I was like, okay, whatever. I knew it was going to be huge. It's the Xbox One. So I try to hook it up. I I spent like 10 minutes being like, okay, why won't this thing work? Why isn't it showing up on my TV? Um, the Xbox One has an HDMI in and an HDMI out, which I didn't realize. And so I wasted 10 minutes with that. Um, got it to turn on my TV. <clears throat> got it, it started updating. And so I was like, okay, while it's updating, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to podcast with Ian. Uh, we connect via Hangouts. Nothing works because, or, I mean, the the stream is slow and it's choppy because my Xbox One is updating and taking up all the internet, which I should have realized, but I didn't. And so have to wait like 30 minutes for that to fix um xbox one starts so the xbox one starts off like after you do the update and all that stuff it starts off with a trailer for the xbox one which angered me because i was like dude Hmm. i already bought this thing i literally just bought this thing stop trying to sell me the xbox one Hmm. uh that finished then for some reason it defaulted with voice um narration so like with each menu item i i'd hit the voice would tell me what it is and so i just have this annoying voice talking talking to me the whole time like tra- while trying to navigate this xbox one and set all up all these features and so uh i do that go to settings turn off the narration uh and yeah i'm just looking at my xbox one now waiting waiting at, for after this podcast to play it so i can check out that rare replay and play some jet force gemini one of the best games ever created um and so yeah i did that uh, and I was going to make my topic of the show about the Xbox one and about like, what should I do with my Xbox one? But I, th- my topic of the show, I think is more something I'd rather talk about. Uh, but yeah, got an Xbox one also preparing for extra life, uh, which if you don't know what extra life is, it's basically a fundraiser where people play video games for 24 hours to raise money for children's hospitals. And so I'm doing that and I'm doing that with the homie friend of the show, uh, Alex Van Aken, who's in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. And so I'm traveling to Boulder, Colorado to play with him. And it's 24 hours, and we decided to make it a competition kind of thing. And so it's going to be me versus him. I'm bringing six games. He's bringing six games. Uh, winner takes all. And by winner takes all, I mean, like, winner, all the all the donations goes to the winner's hospital that they choose, um, which could be unethical. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> But uh, that's happening, and I just want to say that Alex Van Aken uh, can suck it, and he is going to get destroyed, and he has kidney stones for fun. And so that's the thing that's happening. And, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to this week is preparing all that stuff and also the, the Wired video that I have coming out this weekend um, or last weekend is the time you're listening to this. And also, before uh, we get to you, what you've been up to this week, I want to talk about Nidhogg, too. Because I watched that trailer this week. That's something I did this week. Is I watched the trailer for Nidhogg too. Okay. I did it about three hours ago. Man, did you did you see the trailer, Ian? Yes, I did. Have you yes, played the I first did. Nidhogg? I have actually. My friends and I back home, Robin, Anthony, and I, 
we all used to play it all the time. And it was the only game where my one friend, Robin, like a little bit of backstory. He's the fighting game guy of our group. It's funny, actually, because mm. of the three of us, we have three friends, me, him and me, him and Anthony. And Anthony is really good at Street Fighter. Robin is really good at Smash Brothers. And they always beat me at either game. I'm always second place in both games. But with Nidhogg, I would win because it was all chaos. And it was just me like running back and forth and like and hailing to the Nidhogg Lord. But yeah, I'm it's a huge I'm a huge fan of it. And I well, you say your opinion first and I'll I'll reserve my opinion for after you. All right. Um so yeah, I also I also uh played Hid or Hidhog Nidhogg a lot. Uh and I mean I enjoy it, love the art style. Saw the trailer for Nidhogg too, and I was like, what is what what is this trash? Um, which I mean, I, I know it's mean, I know people worked hard on this game and shout out to them. Uh, they're doing their job They're Um, I feel for them, but man, this game, in my opinion, looks like trash. I think in many people's opinions, um, looks very bad, especially compared to the art style of the original, which was like pixelated, uh, and very simple, um, straightforward, timeless even. Yeah. Timeless. Like you could play this game. I think for, like like for, like in 2030 and be like oh yeah it I mean it does what it's trying to do very well because it's trying to look like an old older game like an NES SNES game or even maybe even older than that like an Atari game uh and it does that and it takes that art style and it creates something that probably can never have been done on the Atari um but yeah it does it well it makes a game that's very fun to play and very simple and you know then what the character look at, looks like I just realized he looks like the pitfall guy I don't. Uh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pitfall. Yeah. From. Yeah. And I think that's like probably the original Pitfall on the Atari. Yeah. No. Most likely. Yeah. Wow. Um. But hmm. in the new trailer, the character looks like man. I'm trying to think of a way to describe this that's like not offensive. He looks because like, only he looks like Hodor from Game of Thrones. I haven't like watched Game of Thrones, but that sounds okay. Accurate. He just looks like a simpleton. He looks like. An old school style, Stupid. like Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Men in Tights characters, like bald, like, like with a stupid look on his face. And like, oh my, it, it made me so angry when I saw it because uh, I talked to my friend, Anthony, back home and uh, we talked about that as well. We talked about the art style and I said, why didn't they just make like a hyper Nidhogg or like super, yes. super Nidhogg or like Nidhogg 2 or something uh, instead of. Like what I mean by Nidhogg too is I mean same or similar art style, but like with more stages or different colors. Maybe you can choose your color or like uh you know I, I think that adding in those different weapons like kind of changes what Nidhogg is all about. Nidhogg is all about simplicity and this big tug of war back and forth. So and it's very simple mechanics, kind of similar to Smash Brothers. Like mm-hmm. a lot of like again, if there's any Smash fans out here, I apologize, but in comparison to my view on street fighter street fighter has a lot more going on inherently like with frames and like early street fighter 4 did um with okay this move has three frames on wake up you have this and then you have x frames of lag you can grab you can do this the 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 flow chart in street fighter is very complicated right um but with a game like nidhogg it's only so big there's only three moves you can do right you can run, mm-hmm. you can like lift your sword up and down, you can roll, you can like, you know, there's, it's a smaller flow chart, but it's still just as interesting because of what it can do. You know, like rock, paper, scissors is a timeless game, but there is some weird form of strategy with it. It's simple, but effective in like a very crisp way. 
And I feel like, you know, them adding more weapons and adding in like the bow and just obviously the aesthetic style, which we just mentioned, it just is not, it doesn't look like it's going to work for me. I might, yeah, like it, I mean, maybe, maybe we're like a little bit too harsh on it from the get go because it's only a 17 second trailer. Like maybe Mm. they'll even have, maybe this is like a different mode, right? Maybe they'll have a thing where it's like pixel perfect Nidhogg 2. And it'll be the same mechanics, but with a different art style. And I can see them maybe doing that if the outla- the um, the outline cry is like, oh, this looks like garbage. Like they might just like add that because I don't see that being a super difficult feature to add. You know? Um, yeah, man. I don't know. Like I when I first watched the trailer. Well, first of all, like I, I mean, I'd be in- I'd be inclined to like disagree with you in- as far as like the Smash comparison because I feel like Smash players might be like this game is as complicated as street fighter but oh no smash 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 64 and and brawl are small smash 64 and melee are like probably one of the most mechanically complex games ever like with wave dashing and like and all that's and stringing and all these other stuff um but i just i'm saying for my i don't play those two games yeah i'm going from my understanding of watching my friend try and compete in the street fighter 4 competitive scene with like like uh fadc canceling super into Etc. Etc. Because I can play Smash at a semi-competent level, not against a pro, yeah. but I, I can I, un- say, I can understand like, the mechanics that go along with it. With Street Fighter Four, when I watched game. him, yeah, well, like, it's complicated but approachable. Uh, yeah. Smash, I think, is. But with Street Fighter Four, my friend was like, "Oh yeah, well, you can't use that move." I was like, "Oh why?" Well, he's you see, because your frame, your frames come out at this thing, and then well, on wake up, I have this, but then my character has this hitbox, and I'm sitting here like, "What? Yeah, the fuck are you talking about?" You know. Yeah, and Nidhogg had that, that it was it's good game design in that like simple yet effective you know what I mean that's what yeah. I, the comparison I was trying to align with Smash and Nidhogg is that they had more simple mechanics but approachable yeah and I agree and like yeah. that's one of the reasons why Nidhogg was a hit with my friends like usually I can I can almost never like show games to my friends and be like yeah this is this is gonna be a game that you guys are gonna love because usually they end up not loving it as much as I do because I'm a person with unique taste and whatnot. Nidhogg, I show it to my friends and they're like, as soon as they saw it, as soon as they started playing it, they were hooked and they're like, yeah, this is awesome. And that's because the game is simple and like the game doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't tell you how to do anything. There are no instructions in that game. The game just has an arrow that says go. And you, you immediately know, you immediately know that, that you have to go this direction and try and like defeat this person and go to this direction um, and make it to the other side. And all you have is a sword. You have a sword, and that's it. And it's simple, and it's straightforward. And with these like new weapons and and all this stuff, like they it could they could pull pull it off. Um, and I I mean, I haven't played it, so I can't judge judge it uh, for its gameplay. I can judge it for judge it for its aesthetic, which is just bad. Uh, and I say. It's a bad evolution of what they had at first. Like, if the game well, again, started off like this... Again, we don't know. We might yeah. see a complete change going on. But I apologize, True. Bless, but we need to cut you off on this one because we got to move on to our next topic. But Dang. I know. Okay, I apo- see, see, now you're on the other side of it. Like, Dang. oh, well, we, we're running over time. I'm sorry, Bless. But long story short, right. Bless doesn't like Nidhogg 2 because its visual style is not too good. And Dang. I'll say my week really quickly... All I did was watch trash television shows and work on design stuff. That's all I did. I watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, New Girl. Uh, I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, two episodes. Very cool. Ghost Rider is amazing. If you're curious about that, ask me on Twitter or bless. Are you into Ghost Rider or no? No. Well, I'm into Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm I'm really into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I haven't seen anything of the new season yet. 
Well, spoiler, it's really good. And this Ghost Rider isn't based off of the original Ghost Rider. It's actually based off of a Felipe. Oh, what's his? I, I met him, actually. He's a really cool guy. Great artist. Felipe Santos, I think might be his last name. Uh, Hispanic uh, art, he's artist. He's Hispanic? Felipe? Sorry, that sounds racist. I'm, okay. But uh, he's a really cool guy. Felipe, I'm pretty sure is his name. I might be completely wrong, and I might be a super racist. Please call me out. Uh, Felipe But he's a really, really nice guy. A really nice guy, and he made a new ghostwriter that is a Hispanic uh, high schooler living in L.A., and uh, he his ghostwriter powers are connected to a charger, a Dodge Charger. And he has a car instead of a motorcycle. And it's like a very different story than normal. But he showed up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., really cool character, good actor playing him. And, yeah, I think everyone should go check that out Dude, if you're into I can't wait. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's very, it's very good. I think this new season is going to be very interesting. I can't um, wait. I lo- Agents of yeah. Shield. Uh, I, so I'm, and I know I'm like probably going over time, but I'm <laughs> I'm very into like the superhero cinematic universes. Uh, the, the specifically the TV universes. Um, and so like I watch Flash, I watch Arrow. I stopped watching uh the the other one in that universe, the weird one where they go throughout time. Uh, oh, um, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, I stopped watching that after like halfway through the, through that season. But uh, yeah, I, Agents of Shield, Daredevil, all that stuff. Which I mean, most people watch all those shows. Agents of Shield is my favorite one uh, out of all of them. Uh, I enjoy it. It's, it's a consistently interesting show. I think. Yeah, it's not this godlike amazing show, but it's if you want something that you can turn in, uh, tune in every week and be like, oh, okay, that was cool. Like watch that. Like it's yeah. never produced a garbage episode for me. Some episodes are like, eh, that was okay, and then other episodes are like, oh shit, that was hype. Like. You know, it's never, it's never like below a six. It's always between like a seven to a nine, you know? Yeah. But I get pulled, I get really pulled in into like some of those episodes and with, and especially those characters. I think the character relationships are really awesome. Specifically with that, uh, I don't know his name. I'm just, I'm going to call him that black dude because I can. Mac. His but name like, is Mac. Mac. Yeah. Thank you. Mac. Yes. Mac. And, uh, there was a, there was one Hispanic character, man. I Yo-yo. just realized that. Yo-Yo is her name. I just realized that, um, sorry, it's, it's it's sometimes a trope to like pair up the black and Hispanic character. Uh, is it actually, maybe that's a, maybe that's a Will Smith thing. That I might just might be, be a Will Smith thing. Well, cause in the uh, show he, he has like a, his like best friend on the show is a Irish white guy, which actually made me think of you and I just now. <laughs> that's funny. Only I think uh, I'm more like Mac and you're more like Fitz. I can work out. No, but Mac and, um, <laughs> dude, Mac. Yeah. Like Mac and Fitz relationship. Like pulled me. I'm a very big relationship guy in terms of character relationships in fiction. And Mac and Fitz's relationship, man, like I can't, I can't put it in words. This is kind of beautiful and kind of like it felt genuine. When yeah, watching it feels it, it feels and, real. Like you know, people are friends of different races, and it kind of sucks. I mean, you and I have talked about representation before, mm-hmm. and like it feels it feels awesome to have literally on that show. I didn't realize it until just now, but there's tons of representation. You have oh, um, yeah. the amazing. main character, Daisy. Daisy is, I think, I think she might be half Japanese cause she used to be a Japanese pop star, or a Korean yeah. pop star. You have Melinda May's character. I don't know these characters, real names, uh, but she is a Chinese actress or yeah, she's from China. Main character. Mm-hmm. Coulson is an old white dude. So he's not a young, pretty dude. He's like an older white gentleman. Uh, breaking the mold on that you have mac who's black you have fitz who's irish you have Gemma who's um british uh like Mm. you have like representation of all kinds and you don't have that one stereotypical white oh i'm white and i'm attractive Ooh, they did in the first seasons well yeah colson he's white and attractive i'm just kidding i mean he's attractive but like he's 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 an attractive old guy but uh yeah 
but like you the he's old he's not like Nathan Drake oh definitely not but <laughs> the main character the, there used to be an older main character um, or a younger main character who was like that stereotypical attractive dude and they mm-hmm. and whenever I saw him and, on screen I was like oh this guy because yeah, he's he like the, the stereotypical most, guy but it's funny because the way they character. I know but the way they, but they dealt made him with that though. yeah the way they dealt with yeah. that was like oh he's bland and interesting because of this you know what I mean like like there's there's a reason for like why he was acting all weird and now he's out so fuck that guy but anyway yeah moving on moving on next we have our topics of the week so every week blessing and i come in with a different topic and we try and make it relevant to what's going on in the gaming space now i usually like to do more artistic design questions and blessing usually does more editorial more serious topics so blessing since you are the guest on the show today since you are my co-host i would like you to go first what is your topic of the week sweet uh it's funny because my topic is like what your topic is now uh but yeah we did like a little switcheroo on you because we wanted to make the topics like varied and interesting yeah but no my topic is will will hideo kojima become the next sean murray and so i asked this did you say video kojima did I say video Kojima? Will hit, video will games, Hideo, video co- video games Kojima. <laughs> will hideous Kojima be the next? Oh no, that Sorry. was almost <laughs> really gross. Come on, dude. I might have to censor that. No, will oh, will hideo Kojima become the next Sean Murray? And I ask this because Sean Murray, very nice dude, actually, like very likable dude, I should say. If you look at him in his interviews and all this stuff, like Charis- you, charismatic. That dude has a smile, man. He has a smile. Uh, and he's a guy that everybody was into, you know, and I say was, I mean, I'm sure people are still into him, but not a lot of people aren't into him anymore, but he's a guy that, that PlayStation kind of took under the wing, man, I can go into that actually, but I'm going to leave that there. PlayStation took them under the wing, took them under their wing and, um, they helped him promote, or see, I can't even say that now because everything's all flip-flopped. No Man's Sky. So his com- his company paired up with exclusive. Sony to make yes. a originally like very small game into a larger game. I, these were the creators. What's the name of the studio again? Please help me out here. Hello Games. Hello Games formerly used to make the games like uh, something Joe. What was it? Joe, da- Joe Danger. Joe Danger. So Joe Danger smaller downloadable. Yeah. yeah, smaller downloadable titles that that gained some popularity because of their high quality. But when No Man's Sky came out or the trailers came out, uh, I think at like early game shows sony picked them up and then yeah, obviously that VGX led into the con yes exactly one of these award shows and that led into the controversy of you know big gaming and smaller gaming studios inter intermingling and what does that well, mean, I mean and that's, providing that's resources and stuff like that so like i mean i mean i guess that's a small part of it but like more so what i'm saying is like sony took sean murray and they put him on. They put him up on the stages. They put him up at E3. They promoted No Man's Sky and treated it like it was one of their first party games. Uh, I mean, which can be debatable now, but like, well, they were advertising they, it as a first party game, but there was they yeah. weren't actually providing any studio support. That's like where a lot, a lot of people kind of get tripped up is that they're like, oh man, this is supposed to be a first party game, sixty dollars, but in reality, well, they didn't they didn't receive any like development help from Sony. They were just receiving advertisement help well that, well there's the thing though the reason why i'm finicky on like the wording of uh, as far as advertising is because uh last week uh shuhei yoshida came out and was like 
man, it's too bad what happened to those No Man's Sky guys. I mean, they're only yeah. a four-person oh team. Oh, my God. So what a, what a shade throw. What a yeah, shade Yeah, which is so throw. much shade and made me really angry for them because I was like, you guys said that you're treating this like a first-party game. And I don't know well, if I right. might have already said this on this podcast. Say, say the direct quote because the direct quote is such like a like a, I'm in high school and like it's like a senior talking about a freshman. You know what I mean? It's I can't think of the direct quote either, but essentially he was saying, oh, it's it's unfortunate what happened. They should have had a PR person helping them. Uh, after all, they are just a, a indie developer. Yes. And I yes. heard that and I was like, but you were the guys who supported them. And yeah. it's partially your responsibility for this. Like, it's kind of like when you have a breakup and then you look at your girlfriend, you're like, oh, that girl's gross anyway, whatever. When meanwhile, you were part of that relationship and you you had something to do with what was going on. And yeah, like you exactly. aren't taking any responsibility. Like it seems very like shady and like petty. It seems very petty to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know and this so- comes with this comes with the news. Oh, did you hear the news? Actually, maybe you didn't. We should probably talk oh, about these see. topics before we start the show. Um, but it's apparently fine. the con- the concurrent uh, concurrent players on Steam for No Man's Sky are like dropping by like like thousands and thousands and thousands every day. So like supposedly oh, like there's well supposedly there's like less than like five thousand people playing on Steam right now. Oh, that's sad. I hope they like crazy hope they low. It. That might because not be true. That's what I remember hearing though. My thing is is like that game is probably like a good game. And like probably is like it there's nothing wrong with the game itself, I don't think. I mean there's probably things wrong with the game itself, but but that's not where the controversy lies. The controversy lies in how they advertised it and marketed it, um, and how like they implied certain things and those things weren't in the final game. Uh but yeah, aside from that, uh yeah, so what Sony did was kind of was kind of crappy because I still I still put the blame on them and I originally put the blame on them for all that stuff going down because Sony I assumed Sony was the ones that were marketing it and advertising it um, and probably like advised Sean Murray in his interviews and was like, hey, these are the things that you should say, these are the things that you shouldn't say. Don't mention this. Don't mention multiplayer. Um, if you do mention multiplayer, don't don't negate it. All this stuff. I assumed that was all Sony trying to help a brother out uh apparently apparently they didn't help a brother out and they should have helped a brother out uh because yeah they are a four-person team and they are an indie studio and all these uh, all these things wait they only and have four the f- people i thought it was like a 15-man team it might be 15 they started off with four people uh it probably okay. ended with 15 people but uh yeah and so the reason why i asked will Hideo Kojima be the next sean murray is because nowadays Hideo Kojima is the one that sony is like they're putting him up on these stages and they've already kind of announced a release window for uh uh death stranding which is crazy to me like my my biggest complaint about video games is that they're announced way too early um and like hideo kojima basically said it will be out but it's before 2019 um so like he's kind of teasing 2018 for the game and i'm like you don't know that like you guys are very early in development. You don't know this that's coming is, this out. This is coming from the same guy who took him like ten years to make his last game. So, exactly. And I'm like, don't tease, don't tease it for 2018. If you know, like, if you know, you don't know. Like, you could hit 2018. I think it's very unlikely because game development seems to take forever nowadays, which is fine. But like, just don't give me a date. Don't 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 um put my hopes up. Uh, but aside from that, like. They're putting him up on every stage. They're they're busting out more info, and it seems like they're not slowing down, which is probably which would probably be the smart move. And this is reminding me in the same way of Sean Murray in the way that they put Sean Murray on all, all these stages, and you kind of never got the release date for No Man's Sky. Um, and when you get to when you did get the release date, you got delayed, and um, they're they're sort of hyping up this game and building anticipation for this game for this game to come out, and then 
kind of be met with disappointed disappointment and controversy and i think that same thing may happen to hideo kojima if they're not careful in the marketing of this game and how they present it and the speed at which they're dealing out information um i don't know what are your thoughts your thoughts on it uh i don't think that he will be because the thing about hideo kojima is that he's been able to consistently deliver on games that are above average in the triple a space so um, the thing is now that he has so well he has his own studio too see there's so many like factors that are hard to pinpoint kind of and mm. the thing so on one side i have this is when i become e in a decisive indecisive person right here <laughs> because part of me says like wow you know he's delivered on some like you know groundbreaking games for his time right he's an amazing developer and even when he was under the constraints of another studio, like the original Metal Gear Solid on the PS1 or whatever the original Metal Gear Solid yeah. was, PS1, that yeah. was under the constraints of uh, of whatever. What's not Konami? Was it Konami? Yeah, Konami. Yeah, it was Konami. So yeah. that was a big company that like had to put him on deadlines and all that sort of stuff. And he performed and he did well with his team. You know, he he knows how to lead a team. And now he left that team to start his own studio. And I'm afraid that maybe that deadline creep might follow him to his new studio because now he has no one to answer to. But now that Sony's backing him and giving him a lot of money and like hiring him as a freelancer for this project, maybe Sony will be the Konami that used to be. But I don't know if <laughs> Sony has that firm of a hand, you know what I mean? So on one hand, I think he delivers consistently. He makes good products, like even Metal Gear Solid Five for the shit show that it was towards the end. At the end was a extremely fun to play, like kinetic advanced video game that was like beautiful. Like I I still remember even though even to this day it's been months and months. Me getting on on D horse and playing. There's one song in the game I forget the name. It's as a Japanese name. It's like Kyo, Kyoru something, but essentially it means like eternal sadness or like I miss you. And it's this like mm-hmm. Santana guitar song and it's beautiful. And I would just like slowly walk on D horse like slow tr- slow trot over the sunset. And I was like, I've never felt this way in a video game before. Like, it was this weird, somber moment where I was like, am I this character? Like, am, like I, I felt a strange connection with a character that I didn't even really know that well. Like, I don't play Metal Gear Solid that often. And I'm not a huge Metal Gear Solid fan like many other people are. But there is this weird moment that I really related to. And if he can bring a similar moment like that to Death Stranding, then I'm fine with it. I don't care if the game has weird story or is has garbage moments in other parts. But if he can bring those moments with with the scenery and the kinetic feel, then I don't I don't care about the rest of the game, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, like I'm kind of I'm iffy on it because like I do I do trust Kojima because he did make what I consider to be the, the greatest like or the best series. <sighs> Uh, my my favorite uh, video game series, Metal Gear Solid. Um, some of the best oh, you're story. A, you're a Metal Gear Solid like head. You're like that guy. Oh, dude, I love Metal Gear Solid. Like one, two, three, and four. I don't. Really, I haven't really played Peace Walker and all the side stuff. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, as far as Metal Gear Solid one, two, three, four, five, like I, all those games are probably in my list of favorite games of all time. Uh, but I yeah, like I, I, I really do trust Kojima. But this is also, like, a different game than Metal Gear Solid. And so, like, will people sort of be looking for that same kind of fix? Like, if they get anything that's not Metal Gear Solid, 
will they not be satisfied? And if Kojima, like, if Kojima does give give us Metal Gear Solid, like, will we be satisfied? Like, I feel like there's such there's there are expectations that like maybe maybe don't seem to be permeating right now, but by the time that the game is releasing, might be that it may be weird. But also like maybe Kojima might blow our minds because he's Kojima and that's kind of what he does. And the I mean the logo for his studio, uh, uh, I forget what it's called, Ludin or something Ludin, like that. I think it's called Ludin. Ludin yeah. yeah. Uh, that that thing looks cool, and like I mean if that's like the character in the game, which I think he said it's not, but. If it was, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's cool. I'm down for I'm down for whatever that is." Uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope you're right. I hope I hope that's I hope it's not the case. Uh, and yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. I hope it's not the case. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so that was Bless's topic, and now my topic is actually the topic that I stole from Blessing earlier in the week, and the topic is: What is your dream video game? What genres or things would you fuse to make an awesome game? Uh, side note, we are obviously not video game developers, so we have no idea how feasible these things would be with copyright or whatever. This is just our dream scenario. So, Bless, you're the one with this amazing idea, so how about you go first, and then we'll lead into my topic after. So, um, if any developers, any like people higher up are listening to this, I am willing to make this game. Uh, it's a game that I will design for you, I'll do it for minimum wage, actually, if you want, because this is something that I want to see made. Uh, I talked about this on Twitter earlier. It's a Bioshock game, and in the way that the original Bioshock game was inspired by the teachings of, or the readings of, or writings, I don't know what the word, um, it was inspired by Ayn Rand. I want a Bioshock game that takes the writings of Kanye West and takes inspiration from that and creates a game. And so, uh, I don't have an official name yet. Like on the doc, I have a call. I called it, or somebody called it Kanye Shock when I was when I was tweeting about it, and I was like, "Sure, we're going with that." Uh, I think maybe called Bioshock Fantasy or something like that because I want it specifically to be about Kanye's album, "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy," his best album. Yep, and his, by far his best album. By far his best album. And I mean, some people would disagree. Some people would say Graduation, but they're they're not wrong, but they're not right. Um, it's arguable, but Kanye, my, my, that album was like on the cusp of him being crazy and creative. Like that was like graduation was like, I'm a rapper. This is the best rapping I will do. And that's why I think you'll find some of the best rapping on graduation, like old school inspired rapping and like old school inspired beats. But my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was like this transitionary. Art. That was the transitionary period between like, I'm going fucking insane and I'm a rapper. Like it was the perfect melding of like, like Picasso right before he cut his ear off. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. right before, like just crazy enough to do whatever he wanted, but also just rapper enough to yeah. do the normal rapping conventions. It just like <sighs> perceptive enough, enough to make a great album. And so like, if this is, we're about to get in Kanye West uh, sort of mode here. I'm about to be in my Kanye West sort of, because if you didn't know, I'm Kanye West's second biggest fan after Kanye West. And so hmm. I'm I'm quite passionate about this, but no. So Bioshock often has themes of uh, idealism and creating an ideal society and doing something that's that or cr- creating a sort of society that is rid of flaws and and inspires creativity and inspire. And but the thing I really like about Bioshock is that 
it is at least in my thought like it's sort of a narrative on games on game game design and so like no spoilers for bioshock infinite maybe spoilers no let me not i'll try not to spoil it but um bioshock infinite i think kind of kind of touched on creating games in a franchise and in sort of how you create a different game in the same franchise i think um when you kind of look at that game as a whole uh but yeah i do want i do want bioshock fantasy or bioshock my beautiful doctor's fantasy or whatever you want to call it to be about my kanye's kind of kind of thought process while making that album and what he's kind of going for the album so the themes in the album uh were kind of like ideal kind of ideal like idealism and what makes beauty and the pursuit of happiness and the american dream and all this stuff uh and i think kanye's sort of perceived idea of of perfection um was physical appearance uh in in specifically models and so my idea was the little sisters would be models specifically feather feather covered uh models oh like an Uh, angelic and like an angelic theme yeah kind of uh more so like a like phoenix like a phoenix like if you if you watch kanye's movie called my beautiful dark twist fantasy about the about that album mm-hmm. uh it's kind of like that because in that movie there is there is this like model covered in feathers to look like a phoenix and she i think she she's kind of like the ideal idea of beauty um in kanye's mind and so like those would be the little sisters and oh man wait time out pause real mm-hmm. quick what if in this game you're playing as kanye west but you don't know it and like you're having these like weird schizophrenic visions of that other world so like you you live your day out you're an artist you like go to the studio you like start mixing and then like halfway through you like black out and you wake up in like the kanye shock universe and you're like going through and you're finding your muse and like the entire game is about you finding your muse and like finding mm-hmm. these these like phoenix women and stuff like that and deciding what to do like do you sacrifice your muse uh to create more art or do you allow your muse to live on like like this like again that die uh what's called the split that split between like do you sacrifice or do you save Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so this is what i have written uh please tell us please tell us (laughs) game starts and this is very like it's not polished at all i did this while at work and so I could really focus on it at all. And I don't even have, like, the twist yet. Um, and so bear with me. The twist is but, your I mean, Kanye could, the whole time. Yeah. I was going to say, that could be the twist. But it'd be too easy. You'd, you'd see it coming. You're like, oh, yeah, this is a game about about Kanye. And so but isn't that what people Kanye. want? And isn't that the kind of game that Kanye would create? A game about himself? Yeah. But, I mean, Kanye's not creating it, though. <laughs> which is probably a What I'm saying, wouldn't, thing, wouldn't Kanye want that? If, like, Kanye was like, all right, man, I'm making a game. Make it about me. The whole thing is about me. It's about me. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't yeah. isn't that what he would want? So this, so this is what I have. The game starts. You're walking into Willis Tower, uh, which is the tallest building in Chicago. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, named like, in every Bioshock Willis, game, right? named after Bruce Willis. True. Um, Absolutely. Every Bioshock fact. game. Have you played Bioshock Infinite? Ian? I've played all of the Bioshocks. Besides, I okay. played Bioshock One and Bioshock Infinite. I didn't play two. Okay. Uh, so you played all the Bioshocks. So, so I lied. Yeah, I didn't play all. Of them. <laughs> I, play, I played the ones that you should play. Yeah. Uh, so in every Bioshock, as you know, ha- every Bioshock has a tower. In this game, it would be Willis Tower, the tallest tower ah, in Chicago. Ah, interesting. Uh, so you're walking. So the game starts as you're walking into Willis Tower for a business meeting. You don't know as the player. You don't really know who you are. You're just playing as this random business dude. Um, 
you're going up the elevator up up an elevator um to to go to this meeting and all of a sudden there's an explosion out the side of the building um which leads to the elevator being cut and the elevator is now falling and racing downwards towards your probable death uh you reach the ground everything goes black uh you wake up in a form of chicago called universe city um Hmm. And so, like, if you put those words together, it's university, uh, which kind of goes with the theme of the first three albums. Oh, uh, yeah, I get it. Yes. look at you, bless. So, you wake you wake up in Universe City, uh, and you look around, and uh, basically, what Universe City is, it is a utopia that has it, it was it is a once utopia that has now become a dystopia. You have somehow been transferred to. I mean, it could be the future. It could be an alternate universe. We don't know yet, um, but somehow this this dystopia was it used to be Kanye's ideal sort of universe, and so uh, it's very like futuristic. Everything's stylized, like all the buildings are stylized. Think graduation, like every every, every everything's sort of cyber in a way. I don't know. I don't know how I'd put it, but okay, futuristic in an artistic sense uh everything used to be that now everything's kind of ruined everything's kind of everything's kind of gone and you're like okay what the heck so you look up there uh let's see what do i have written here i have written here that universe city was an ideal city built on kanye's version of perfection the city is essentially chicago but it is futuristic it is a futuristic neopunk version of chicago Hmm. everything is clean everything is stylish but given the circumstance of the world everything is destroyed uh, the Little Sisters were society's attempt at creating the most beautiful living beings, an idealized version of, uh, I think I, t- I made a typo, an idealized version of being, I don't know what I meant by that, uh, after society fell. Uh, big Brothers will be superpowered men in business suits that represent industry, power, and order. Uh, and yeah, the different stages of the game will basically be inspired by the different songs uh, on hmm. Kanye's album. Uh, I like it. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. There's still more. To, there's a lot more to be done uh, since there there are all these commonalities in all the different Bioshock games. There's always mm. a tower. There's always a girl. Um, the girl, of course, in this case, would be the the um, models, the feathered covered model, models. The Big Brothers would be big industry kind of people coming. Oh, in. Oh, and then can the final Shut boss down. of the Big Brothers be Jay Z? Oh snap! Why didn't I think of this? Why didn't I think? Well, that's so. That's so good. Why didn't I think of this? That's so right, obvious. Now you need to now you need to remove this entire part. Crap. From the pot, just black it out, and then we'll make this game ourselves. Crap. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm gonna. <sighs> okay, so never mind. Never mind about my original idea for the Lo- Big Brothers. All the Big Brothers are gonna be all the features on my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. So Swiss Beats, I think he was on that album. Maybe he wasn't on that album. No, yeah, he, he was, was on. He was. He, he was, was on Soul Paul. Swiss Beats, Sahida Prince, Big Sean. Uh, Nicki Minaj, Rick Ross, all these guys, Jay Z, and Jay Z will be the final boss, and he is Big Brother. But yeah, that's my game. I know I spent a lot of time on that, but I kind of wanted to get that out there because, man, I think it, I think it could be a beautiful thing, and I'm willing to design it. I'm willing to put down the work. That was like that was like five minutes worth worth of thinking on my phone. That was just mm-hmm. me spurting out my my creative vision for this thing, and it, uh, 2K, uh, uh, crap. What are they called? What's the name of the studio that make Bioshock? They don't exist uh, anymore. Irrational, yeah. They don't. They don't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, if you guys 
want to make this happen, I'm willing to do it. I will I will pay you to be the designer of this game and I'll get like a side job so I can pay for my living. Like is, I'll do whatever it takes. This is so good to hear you be this passionate about something blessed because like oh, usually dude. on the on the podcast like you're like the more mathematical like you're the you're the host so you need to keep everything in order, right? And you're all about this order. But when you get into something like artistic that you're passionate about, it's like a completely different side of you. And I'm so glad to like hear that dude, on audio. I, so whenever you complain to me that, about the chaos, I'll just go back to that and I'll be like, hey, listen, remember that time where you really wanted to talk about like 45 minutes about Kanye and Bioshock together? Oh, man. Oh, it's such a it's such a beautiful idea. And I think so much could be done with it. And I think that we should make it happen. And so Irrational, uh, even though you don't live anymore, 2K, I guess. 2K still owns the property, right? Yeah. I th- yeah, I think they do. 2K, hit me up. What up? My number is 555 yeah. Five. I don't even know if that was ten numbers, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, so now my my game that I have been thinking about for a while, and and a lot of people on here know me as like the design art guy. So a, a couple years ago, when I was in school, still, I had this idea for fusing a rhythm game and a fighting game together. Now, hear me out. So, fighting games are all about inputting certain commands on buttons, right, to put into a combo, and a combo is typing or hitting certain buttons in sequence, right? So isn't that essentially similar to a rhythm game? On a guitar here, you hit like red, blue, whatever, and then your song is the sequence of buttons. So in my head, I thought every character, do you know Guile, Guile from Street Fighter? Yes. So now Guile has Guile's theme, right? So imagine if mm-hmm. like and the the way that Guile's theme goes is like dun 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 the greatest theme in gaming. Oh, it works with everything. You could put that shit over to someone being executed live, and somehow it somehow someone in the background is dancing to it. Like somehow, like it works with everything. Yeah. But anyway, so the black man with two pieces of fried chicken in his hands just going off to it. I love that gif. That is my favorite gif. Yeah. Like that was the first time I saw that gif was over that song, and it worked perfectly. It's it. I don't understand how but anyway if you so, haven't seen it see it please please so now imagine if you're playing the game and like you are the way you do a certain combo with him is by listening to the music and trying to have like different inputs with the beat of the song so like the beat of the song is like dun 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 so his song is a little bit fast so his combos would be like punch 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 kick or something like that like that could be like a light mm-hmm. combo but it would it would be lined up with how the song would go so that concept fusing a rhythm game with a fighting game and in my head similar to you i usually think things out way too far so in my head i thought okay every different style of of music would have a different character right because usually in street fighter you have like these stereotypes based off of different like locations because it's a world warrior thing so i thought like okay every character would be based off of a certain um like genre so for example like pop music you would have uh, I forget the name of the character, but it was a princess character, and it was a fusion of Beyonce and Taylor Swift together. Hmm. So, like, it would be, like, a girl with, like, light blonde hair, but she would be, like, a light-skinned, beautiful black woman, and, like, her combos would be based off of pop music, like, like a, like, maybe faster, catchier beat, and she's, like, the Chun-Li of the group, and then the main character is Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So the main character is like a like uh, he's like a younger kid because his older brother, uh, the final boss, the Akuma of the game, is actually Kanye. That would be that would be pretty good. And I would the, play a fighting game like oh that's called Def Jam Vendetta. No, I think yeah, not. well, but but here's the thing though. So 
the Kendrick character is the Ryu, right? And Akuma mm. is is Kanye. So if you have if you know anything about Kanye West, he has the face that has uh, or the mask that has like the no textures on it, like it makes him look like a weird monster. Mm. And in in my version of the game, um, everyone is trying to pursue the perfect song because in this world, the perfect song gains you influence and gains you money and power. So in this universe, every every area is trying to make the most popular song so they can like essentially rule the world. So like every person comes from a different like part of the world, but they also have a certain genre. So like the main character and the Kanye West character are both from like the city, the pop music, uh, Beyonce, Taylor Swift fusion is from like a kingdom. Uh, I had, what other characters that I had that were really interesting? The grappler character was the, no, the, the rap, uh, the, the character that was like a country person uh, was like, uh, a half Native Taylor. American man that would uh, that would be like Zangief, like this giant Native American man. Um, and then I had other. Ca- oh, I had a a, a K-pop guy, uh, like a, a very feminine-looking K-pop guy. Um, Jay come, Park. Come, come, I don't know, remember his name. Uh, and then that that group of people. He is the son of a scientist that tried to make a robot that like an AI that could create the perfect song. But what turns out, what turned out happening is that those AIs started occupying robots, and they made their own like island off the coast of like fake Korea, and then that's where techno music came from. Huh. Yeah, and then the robot character in this game is a robot that has developed AI so strong that he doesn't want to play uh, techno music anymore. He wants to play classical music, so his name is like B <laughs> B T O one, and it's supposed to be like Beethoven. Oh, that's sick yeah huh yeah so like his like initial combo strings are like very slow like no 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 and then like his um like final like like uh super gets you play it like flight of the bumblebees like like yeah so like i have a character essentially based off of all these like stereotypes and music and the way you would play it would be to kind of play it similar to a rhythm game where you learn combos by listening to the character's theme song over and over again and that kind of teaches you like the breakdown is like their super the introduction is an easy combo the the chorus is like your medium tier combo and that's kind of the game that i wanted to make dude that'd be sick um can we have uh can we can we have wu-tang dlc oh 100 oh okay. i completely forgot about my favorite character speaking of dlc my favorite character in that concept art that i had was uh <laughs> it's based off of Nicki minaj and <laughs> And the character's name was Trap Queen, and her playstyle is leaving traps on the ground, like leaving oh, spiked, spiked so she's traps. like a junk rat. Kind of, yeah. So like she would trap you in a trap, and then she would do her combo on you. And her like special move is like leaving these like barbed wire traps on the ground that she would pull from her hair, and she would throw them on the ground. And stuff. that's amazing. And like her and, and her super and her super is her sitting on a throne, and she like calls in lackeys to beat you up. Can one of her can one of her attacks, um, like her down back B or something, be like she puts down a trap and then if you step in the trap, a bunch of bees swarm you and take oh, you of course, of course, that's trap. like of of course, Sweet. of course. Okay. And then her alternate awesome. her alternate her alternate super is um is monster where she puts you into a trap and then her super is she transforms into like a hulking monster and beats you up. Dude, I was listening to Monster earlier today, and I was like, "Man, this is, this is Nicki Minaj's by far best, best verse. song." Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Like, I don't With even like Nicki Minaj, that but that song, Lanka. that verse, 
is so much fire. You would be the king. Oh, we're gonna get copyright strict for that. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> Nicki Minaj is like, what you doing? Yeah, dude, I love dude. That song is so good. I remember when that yeah. song came out. Oh my god, dude, I remember that too. I remember when it leaked, and I was like, there's no way. I listened to it. I was like, huh. I got to Nicki's verse, and I was like, huh. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't even like Nicki Minaj. That was fire. Yeah, and it's funny because like when the game, when I wrote this concept art down, I like had every in Street Fighter, every character has like a rival. So like the rival of the Kendra character that's supposed to be Ryu is Akuma, but like that's kind of funny because in the rap game like everyone has that argument like who's better kendrick or or kanye and that's kind of like the inherent thing but in the story arc they're brothers so like one would not exist without the other you know what i mean Hmm. and in the story kanye um kanye is the brother that tries to pursue the perfect song or sound but then what happens is, is that he gives his soul to like this devil called or this like creature called the soundless one and he like that was supposed to be like that was right around the time where kanye's um like what was the name of it blood on the leaves that that yeah. that album oh, that uh Jesus. Jesus, that was right around the time yeah. that Jesus came out so i was like all right that in my story our kendrick is still trying to be like his his brother or what his image of his brother was and then like kanye is like struggling for creativity in this universe so he like gives his soul to the soundless one and he doesn't make any sound and like his like his moves are based off of the Jesus moves where like it's like very scratchy and like electronic but like not what we would consider normal music so like hmm. it has this weird electronic robotic feel and the whole story of is of the kendra character trying to defeat the soundless one and get his brother back so you have you have akuma which is like him occupying the soundless one and then if you defeat him like there's two stages in my head it's the the soundless one occupying kanye's body and then the final final boss is fighting a boss where there's no sound so you need to huh. You need to have your combos on point because um, the soundless one has absorbed all the sound from the room. And as you start to destroy him, sound starts coming back. And then you can like, it gets easier as you know. But if you don't know your character's moves, you're fucked. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the ultimate final boss is removing things from you and seeing how well you can play, you know? Huh. Yeah. That sounds actually pretty cool. If Kendrick, if Kendrick is Ryu, can J. Cole be Ken? I don't know who I had as Ken. Uh, who did Chance? I have as no because it's not it's not all rap music like i had um, like every genre had its own thing i remember there's a character do you know dan hibiki in street fighter yeah yeah, yeah. so his whole gimmick was um he he's like, would like he's like he's like a he's like a clown but like yeah, my like version Hercules. yeah like my Hercule. version of the my version of the clown is that like he i call him the stan like he doesn't have one genre of music <laughs> he would like what he does is he would like take he like has his like lasso and he like lassos you and then he absorbs your power. So like you, if you know the the term the stand, it's like someone who's like in love with someone, but they're usually like a super fan of one artist. But in this mm-hmm. thing, it's like I, I called him the poser. So he would steal your he would steal your art, kind of like Kirby, and then he would he would like reformat it for his own purposes, and he'd become a stand of whatever you like for that. That we version. are nerds. We are we are we are nerds, man. This is when I was in design school. Fuck you. One I of like... the most nerdy conversations I've ever had in my life. Okay. Well, anyway. I love it, though. No, I love it, though. Anyway, let us know on Twitter what your dream game would be. Hit us up on Twitter at, at okbeastnow. Dot, or not dot com. At okbeastnow on Twitter. And you can hit me up at, at not for your submissions to our potential fighting game. And at Blessing Jr. Blessing, at Blessing Jr. So you can tell him yep. why Kanye Bioshock is the best game ever. So now we have the final part 
of our podcast, people. The ending, mm. the denouement of our podcast, which is the viewer questions. So we had to blow through these, by the way. That's fine. We'll give like shorter answers, but who cares? But sure. anyway, our first question comes from Chase Williams on Twitter, and that is, oh, what is his Twitter handle? It's at Bodacious, at Bodacious Chase. Chase. Yep, Bodacious Chase. Uh, and his response is, or his question is, which now extinct developer would you reopen, and what would they work on? I should have thought about this beforehand because I did not think about. Don't this worry, at all. don't worry, blessing. I got you. Reopen Irrational and have them work on your Kanye Bioshock game. Boom. There Ooh, you that's go. a good one. Actually, I do have my answer. I did think about this. Uh, <laughs> Rare. I would. I. I would close Rare and then I'd reopen them as under Nintendo. Um, or I would find all of the original people who worked for Rare, which I guess they kind of are, kind of together, and they're making ukulele. Uh. But I don't know if if rebooting is an option, I would reboot Rare, and take them from under Microsoft's wing. Even though I now have an Xbox, but yeah, that's what I would do. Okay, and I have no response to this because I don't know enough about developers. But extinct developers, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're an extinct developer, there's probably a reason why, and if you're extinct, it's probably because there's some sort of underlying <laughs> reason why you were extinct, so you should continue to be extinct. If I have I a different answer Sega. next week. So, no, forget that. Get out of <laughs> but, here. But I mean, they're not, they're not even they're still making games. They're just not. I mean, Sega owns Atlas, and so. But I mean, I guess that's their mm, publishing. Atlas. They're not really developing. Yeah, Atlas. yeah, yeah. Atlas is developing. Uh, but Sega does still make the Sonic. I would, I would, I would see if I could reboot uh, developers. I, I, I do that because like the de- developers I like are developers that are still in business. They're just not doing um, what they could do. What you want? Well. Yeah, yeah. What I want? Yeah. So like, they're, next they're, question: they're shells of their former selves. Exactly. So next question I have. Actually, I kind of would like Irrational to open up as well and do more Bioshock games because those games be nice. were amazing. Um, I was the, without without Ken Levine. How how Bioshocky are they? I was anyway, saying like I was oh, listening to I was listening to a, a spoiler cast for Bioshock Infinite earlier today for some reason, and they're kind of saying came about, out like four years ago, but okay. Yeah, it was an IGN spoiler cast. Was like it was it was fun to go back, but no, they were talking about how like uh, Bioshock Infinite seems like. It should have been like the fifth Bioshock game because the way the game ends, it kind of wraps everything up and kind of explains the universe. It's kind of like, man, if you had a few more games before that, then the payoff would have been even like exponential for what you get in Bioshock Infinite. Uh, but yeah, I still would like more Bioshock games given that. Same. Okay, so the next question actually comes from a new listener, and that is my brother. So if you listen to the last podcast, you made me you may have heard me make fun of my younger brother Harrison, Aww. saying that he was a jock and that he was like a baseball nerd. Uh, Do you call him Harry? I know, I call him Stinky, you remember that? Oh, yeah, you did say so that. So shout out to the homie Stinky. Uh, and that's at I don't even know his Twitter handle off the top of my head, but uh Harry he Press. asked he, no, it's like at here you go, it's at underscore at, Herschel. At Harry Press no, no, Twitter. it's at Herschel 007 underscore at at underscore Herschel 007 and he asks how have your early thoughts of Japanese culture changed over time while you have been there and blessing what are your thoughts on living abroad and a shift to America because mm. you originally didn't live in America well I originally lived in America but then I moved away from America then moved back to America oh I didn't I thought you were originally in Nigeria and then came here here to America uh. not here to Japan I'm a citizen, but no, I like, huh, I, I, so I grew up in America, uh, lived in America from ages zero to 10. Uh, when I turned 11, 
moved to Nigeria. lived lived in Nigeria for two years and then moved back. Wow. Um, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, but I can talk about my shift to Nigeria, which was very interesting. It was very like it was very weird. Um, mostly because I was I was eleven, and I remember I remember landing in Nigeria and driving, uh, back to my house that I was gonna live in, and looking out the window and being like, "What did I just get myself into? Like everything's so different. Everything's kind of weird." Uh, I I moved to Nigeria to live with my dad, who's a missionary in Nigeria, and yeah, like it was just different. Like I felt like I, I felt like I lived in a new world. Uh, but I mean, after a while, I kind of got acclimated, and I went to boarding school while I was in Nigeria, hmm. and that was not fun. Um, but I think those were some of the most forming years of my life. Like they, I I think those two years I spent in Nigeria made me who I am uh the most uh and I grew the most in those two years than I ever have in any two-year span of my life and that's because being exposed to a new culture like that kind of made me aware of more things and aware of the world and kind of like took me out of America like America's cool and whatnot but there's once you get out of America and start to see things that aren't America you start to realize that the world's a lot bigger than America yeah. Uh, and you start to see different kinds of people and different kinds of ways of living in different kinds of cultures. And you're like, oh man, the world's a lot bigger than I think it is in the world. It was more than just me and more than just America. I think that was, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of have a similar feeling like, like I, before I lived here in Japan, I lived in many other places. I lived in, I've been to like England, Ireland, Scotland, France, Italy, uh, Malta, Germany, uh, like Central America, um, been to Spain. I don't know if I mentioned that. Uh, but I've lived in many places, and I agree that when you live outside of America, you kind of, like when you're in America, there's this whole thing about like America is the best, like nationalism, woo. But then like when you leave, like there's this overwhelming feeling of like, oh, there's so many different things that I can learn, so many things I can glean from the rest of the world. And you get this weird feeling of like you're you're homesick, but you also want to live in another place. Yeah. It's hard to explain. But how have how have things change for me um the honeymoon phase is over for japan like i'm not like oh my god japan is the best place in the world japan has its problems but uh i definitely get really excited when i see anime everywhere but at the same time like i get frustrated when i see other things so it's just half and half uh i would say that i'm still this like still a new experience for me and it's still amazing to see this new culture but i'm also starting to become acclimated and it's getting more normalized is what i'll say but I still love it here. It's amazing. So next question we have is from a regular listener, uh, Ben Bellevue, super nice guy, at Mr. Bento Box on Twitter. Shout out to him. And his question is, if you could keep any or keep one social media platform, which would it be and why? Uh, mine would be Twitter because I think I've, I've gotten really tired of Facebook. Facebook is kind of whack. And the only reason I use Facebook is to – interact with the kind of funny facebook group and so um yeah that's that twitter i feel like is you get more of a connection with the world around you on twitter uh and i mean not only do friends follow you and you can follow friends but then you can follow you can get news um which is nice and follow outlets and follow celebrities and i mean you can like celebrities on facebook but i feel like in twitter it almost feels more personal since you're forced to condense everything into 140 letters and so if you are being marketed to and advertised to on twitter it's very brief and you can just like get be done with it just like that and then move on to the next thing and i i I feel like 
the the force uh or being forced to be uh kind of condensed allows you allows thoughts to be uh put out there a lot quicker and a lot easier uh and yeah i like it i like it for that yeah i was originally going to say instagram but then i realized that i follow a bunch of artists on twitter as well and i met you and like some other close friends from twitter so i'm gonna stay twitter as well even though i originally was not a fan i used to hate it but i'm gonna go with twitter because i've met a lot of cool people this year on twitter Same. so Next question is, what's your favorite tycoon game, and why is it Roller Coaster Tycoon? Roller Coaster Tycoon. Why? So, I I don't think I've played a tycoon game, but also I think I might have played a tycoon game uh, when I was 12, but I can't remember it, and so I don't really have a good answer. I think I... I don't think I played Roller Coaster Tycoon, though. I, I think I played um, Theme Park Tycoon, maybe, if that's the thing, and if I did, it was probably the demo. And so that's my answer. No, actually, screw that. My favorite Tycoon game is Rocket Robot on Wheels for the N64. Because at the beginning of that game, you could create roller coasters. And it was cool. Hmm. I have never played a roller coaster Tycoon game. Fair enough. Whichever one is your favorite, Alex. How about that? So next question we have is from Danny Juarez, our friend of the show, at Stoat Danny. And how is gaming in japan different from america so now blessing you cannot attest to this question because it's i'm the only one of us who lives in japan so i will give a succinct answer uh cell phone gaming is so hype here you have no idea (laughs) like everyone is on their phones or on their vita on the train everyone grandmas grandpas every i see people that are 90 years old i swear to god playing uh pokemon go and it seems as though it's like more baked into the culture and it is interesting, but also strange because I'm a very big console gamer, but uh, I, I like playing my DS or like playing my iPhone or whatever. Uh, it's just strange. It's different. Uh, but I would say the way it's different is just they play mobile games a lot and they're not big on consoles here. That is the, in the most succinct way. That is the uh, way I guess I would describe it. They play a lot of Xbox there. Oh, yeah, so much. They're like fiends on Xbox. You have no idea. They, they love that American Xbox, game Mountain, machine. Xbox Mountain Dew Doritos, you know. Well, they love that good-sized controller. Actually, the controller's fine now, I bet, but, man. I like the like, Xbox. I liked the Xbox One controller. I like the Xbox One controller, but, like, the, uh, when the original Xbox released, uh, it, was, it was a big problem in Japan because the Xbox controller was so big and they just didn't like it. Really? Uh, yeah. Fun fact. Interesting. And so that's part, that's part of why it flopped there, I believe. Huh. Good to know. I didn't know. So now this is our final question from a close friend of mine, Robin Angelus, at Reliant Robin on Twitter. And this will be our final question. And this is kind of a difficult one. Uh, so what do you think the lifespan is of VR? Will this end similarly to the Wii balance board or other gimmicks in video games? Or will it stay long term? Please discuss. So... I used to think that it was going to be a gimmick, even though like all the all the game journalists and and influencers and stuff all said like, "Oh yeah, man, this is gonna be awesome. This is great. VR is awesome." Uh, I've kind I've kind of come around on it, uh, mainly because I've been thinking about it more from beyond the video game um, application to it, and so like you could use it to attend live sporting events. You can use it to attend museums. You can uh, use it to take photos and then and then like when your friend takes a photo put on your vr helmet 
um, and then look around in the photo and all that stuff. Uh, I, I think that utility will be a big part of it. Uh, as far as for video games, I do think also that since it'll be around, uh, since it's going to stay around for utility, I don't think VR is going to go away. And I think video games will just find more ways to use it. Um, kind of like the computer. Like the, the computer wasn't made as a gaming machine. It was made as like, I don't even know what it was made for. I think it was made to calculate numbers or something like that, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like video games were put on it. And video games never stopped being put on the computer because everybody still has computers. Um, mobile games, like people don't really stop. Mobile gaming is still a thing because one, I mean, it's convenient to have a phone around you uh, or to have like a mobile device around you to do stuff with uh, because it's something to do. Uh, but also like the mobile device is very relevant. Uh, and because everybody has one and everybody's using it, and it's still a thing, uh, games are still being put on it because that's a thing you could do. Uh, so I think as long as VR is around and I think it's going to stay around for utility, uh, then I think games are going to continue to be on it. And I think people, I think games are going to continue to get better on it because games will be, will continue to be, to be made on it. Uh, if that makes sense. It'll be an iterative po- process and, and things will continue to get better. Hmm. My opinion is that I actually asked this to Alex Van Aken the other day, uh, like, is there going to be a time when we get rid of screens? Like, is that technology going to dip? Like, are we just going to get really advanced VR headphones and VR stuff? Um, and I don't know. I feel like VR can be a big thing. I think it could be a big push. I, I feel like with the Wii balance board and, Wii, and those other Wii accessories, it was always going to be a gimmick from day one. But with VR, it seems like... Like, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and uh, I told her, I was like, you know, I wish you'd get rid of my TV. It's so big. And she's like, oh, what about the VR thing? And I said, huh. Maybe that could work. Like instead of la- instead of like w- like sitting in my room watching TV, I just watch it on my VR headset. Um, mm-hmm. And I can see a future where that happens. I think, but yeah. it's weird because like yeah. then like you kind of remove the social aspect of it. Uh, or like maybe TVs are I like mean, one way of doing it, and then like you have the option to do VR. Like because I live alone, yeah. like I I don't have this like intense desire to watch TV with other people. So like if I'm home. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm home just hanging out by myself, like, I don't need to watch this big TV. I just want something just for me. So if I could just chill on my VR headset, you know, that'd be pretty cool. Dude, the crazy thing, the thing that, 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 I mean, I just thought of this, but, like, dude, I have a VR, I have a VR headset, like, right by me um, in my phone. Like, I have the Samsung Galaxy S7, and it comes with, like, a VR helmet um, that you put the phone in. And, like, I mean, right now it kind of sucks because, like, it's not, it's cheap VR, and so, therefore, it, I'm not sure the exact science behind it, but it doesn't really take take to account like something um, in your eyes, um, and it could kind of be frustrating to use, um, kind of be annoying. But like, people are being given VR headsets, uh, and more people are acquiring them more and more. And as phones continue to get powerful, which they will, um, VR is going to continue to be a thing on your mobile device, um, and it's going to get to a point where like VR works perfectly. I think on phones. Um, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how that, how that can't happen. And so like, once it gets to that point, like I think VR might be a regular thing. And I think like everybody is going to have a VR headset for no reason. Um, or for some reason, I guess to use, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's crazy. And I think it's kind of cool. I don't know. As the an artist, reality really... features scares me. Oh, I think I enjoy it. Like as an artist who's like on the go and, and I've been traveling a lot in my life, like 
I would love to just like pack one of these away. Don't need to worry about a screen. Like just have my computer out and I can like look all around and have this big art canvas where I can just work on as opposed to looking at a really small screen hunched over. Like if I could do my art like standing up, like looking at a screen above me or like, uh, I don't know, like I'm on a train and I just want to play a game and get away from everything else. I can just put on my VR headset and just like play on the train and then I have like an alarm set on my phone saying, oh, train is in 10 minutes or whatever. You know, something like that. Just like. Yeah. To, That'd be cool. As like I mean, more of like a function scenario and like yeah. a real world function scenario. Yeah, it'd be weird to have them on in the middle of the train, but like who cares? Like, yeah, I think I think I'm, I'm not watching. I'm normal. not watching VR porn on the train. I assume soon enough it'll probably be a normal thing to have it on. I hope uh, so. In public transit. I really or hope, maybe not. I really hope, hope maybe to not God, in America. So. Maybe not like on the bus in America because you'll get robbed super quick. But maybe on like a plane or like uh, like in safe environments. Maybe. Oh my it'll God! Probably Can be you imagine? Thing. Can you imagine on a plane ride? That would be so amazing. It's like everyone, yeah. instead of being like, oh, everyone shut up. Like, no, it's cool. I got this. Like, dude, I mean, I've seen video like uh, Married to the Games, which is like a, a podcast. Let's do. They have a YouTube video of them like using it on the plane and stuff. And it seems like it's fine, um, which is pretty cool. Do you think that and you mentioned this, you, you kind of made me um, think of this because of, of mentioning art and stuff. Uh, do you think PlayStation Dreams, like PlayStation's exclusive dreams by um whatever the developer's name is uh media molecule i think do you think their games can be vr because i think that now that i think about it i think that might be like a cool kind of gimmick for it or not even gimmick but like a cool kind of draw for it if you could like put that on and then like paint these amazing images and create these amazing things and sculptures and stuff maybe i mean i again i don't know anything about what you're describing but i mean have you vr do, do you know what dreams is i think so i think i've seen some things about it but vr gives a lot of games an opportunity that normal TVs and stuff don't allow. So anything new using VR, I'm excited for. So anywho, everyone, that is the end of the OK Beast podcast, episode 11. Today, I was your host, Ian Preschel. This is my very intelligent and talented guest, Blessing Adoye. Oh. And, oh, well, I was lying the whole time. It's what's written on the script. Uh, oh. So... As you know, here at OK Beast, we are dedicated to games, culture, and you, the people. The OK Beast podcast is a gaming-centric like show. It. What do you mean? It the OK Beast is a website dedicated to games, culture, and fit, and looking at how games fit within our culture. <sighs> okay, it's official. Pay for Fine. it. Fine. All right. Deal. I paid money. Okay, we're gonna rewind it. The OK Beast. Paid money. Here at the OK I Beast. Pay money. Here at OK Beast. <laughs> We are dedicated to games, culture, and looking at how games fit within our culture. The OK Beast Podcast is a gaming-centric show where a couple of friends or enemies come together and talk about what's going on in our world. If you like that, subscribe to us on our podcast service of choice. Visit OKBeast.com and follow at OKBeastNow on Twitter. Also, you can check us out on YouTube for our new video editorial series, Wired, a look behind the games featuring my good friend, Bless. This has been episode 11, and it has been my pleasure, people. Bless, say goodbye to the people. Bye to the people. Bye. Also, good job posting in. Thanks, man. Proud of you. Thanks, you did a man. very good job. Thanks. Very nice Aww, young man. Thanks, man. Very, very nice young man. Thanks. Woo!